our story, we find ourselves in the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, where we're going to read the story of a man whose life is messy. In fact, it's very messy. Now, what you'll notice as we read his story is the Bible writer doesn't give us a lot of background color necessarily to how this man's life became so messy. We know that his life is it's going to be characterized by pain. We know that it's, it's characterized by violence. And uh, we know it's, it's really, consequently, as you'll see, it's characterized by isolation. And his life is what we can accurately describe as a mess. But as we also will discover, Jesus is in the legacy mess restoration. I recognize that some of you here today, and maybe those of you tuning online, you might be, uh, maybe your life is in transition right now, either good and or, or bad, but nonetheless, it, it's, it's in transition. And maybe for you, you would, you would recognize that maybe even your life is a bit messy and complicated. And if that's the case for you, then I've got good news as we're going to see today, Jesus is in the mess restoration business. And so if you feel like things are a little wonky right now, maybe today's message is for you because as we're going to talk about, Jesus is a legacy mess restorer. Better referenced uh, earlier today, uh, we had some technical issues and the technical issue was our soundboard didn't turn on. And so that's why we're having all these chords. And so for a guy who likes to use his hands when he talks, this is uh, always going to be a challenge. But with that, uh, turn to Luke chapter 8. Gospel Luke chapter 8 in your Bible, whether it's in digital or paper form. Uh, Once you find Luke chapter 8, skip down to verse 26. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. And then follow along as I read. Uh, As always, try to picture this scene in your mind. Luke chapter 8, verse 26. So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the lake from the Galilee. So right away it says, so they, who is they? Well, to answer that question, you've got to read the verses prior to it. And those of you who were here last week will remember that Jesus is on the other side of the Lake of Galilee. He suggests to his disciples that they get into the boat and they cross over. So when it says they arrived, we know that we're talking about Jesus and his 12 disciples, okay? So they arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across from the Lake of Galilee, across the Lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. A man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs or the cemetery, some of your translations may say, outside the town. Let's stop there. So Jesus has crossed the Lake of Galilee with his 12 disciples. We're told now that he encounters this man who is naked which is alarming in and of itself. It tells us this, obviously this man, is a, his life is a bit messy. And, and uh, as they cross over to the shoreline, he gets out of the boat, and all of a sudden this guy shows up. And we're told here, verse 28, as soon as he sees Jesus or saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. That's kind of an interesting thing to say. For Jesus, verse 29, had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. 
So again, picture the scene in your mind. Jesus is in the boat. He crosses the Lake of Galilee. He, as soon as he gets out of the boat and gets his feet hit the shoreline, he's instantly greeted by this man that is naked, and he's screaming, or it says here he's shrieking, which really raises the intensity of, of the moment. And as he, as he begins to scream and yell at Jesus and his disciples, he bellows out this question, Jesus, son of the most high, why are you bothering me? Please, he says, I beg you, don't torture me. Interesting words. Because we're told that already Jesus has commanded this evil spirit to come out of him, which to me reinforces the truth how Jesus steps into our mess. Now, here's what I want you to fully understand. In fact, that's point number one in your notes. Just write that down. Jesus steps into our mess. Now, here's what I don't fully understand about this encounter. We're told here that Jesus is commanding the spirit to come out of him, but there's no mention of Jesus doing that, right? Luke, if you notice, the gospel writer describes how Jesus and the disciples are in the boat immediately upon Reaching the shoreline and climbing out of the boat, Jesus is immediately met by this man who is shrieking and screaming, don't torture me. In this encounter with this man, when did Jesus start to exercise the demons? We're not told that, are we? You know, was Jesus doing battle spiritually with this man without words? Did Jesus kind of encounter this, a conversation with him, maybe taking place in another dimension? I don't know. The Bible writer doesn't tell us. But what the Bible writer does impress is the truth that Jesus steps into our mess. Off topic, by the way, I, I believe that what, what is encountering here, I think happens for, for in our life too. For those of you who call Jesus your Savior and Lord, for those of you who have invited God to lead your life, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit indwells us. And so consequently, I, I have this belief that when we step into the room, when we step into situations, that God's presence is there with us too. And so when you step into dark places, brothers and sisters, much like this encounter here with Jesus, you don't even need to, need to wor use words and necessarily to influence kind of the dynamics of, of what's taking place, right? You may, I don't know if you can recall experiences in your life. I know I can, where I've, I've had encounters where maybe I've brought the word of God or I've spoken a, a scripture or I've just even verbalized the name Jesus and it's like, you can just see this bolt of lightning come into the room. It's almost like the, the darkness just for a moment is, is gone, where this light just penetrates the evil. That's the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so when you encounter friends and, and they say, wow, something's different about you, it's because it's that Holy Spirit that they're encountering with. At another level, maybe even without intentionality. That's what, that's what we see here. Jesus steps into our mess. Remember our conversation last week? I want you to look again at verse 22, where we talked about uh, Jesus going in across the lake. Look at verse 22. This is what we read. It says, one day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out, right? Now, church, don't miss this. Why was, so, why was Jesus so intent about crossing the lake? the Sea of Galilee. Any chance you think that Jesus was aware of this man's predicament? 
The reason I ask that is because if you move forward in this story and you look at verse 37, if you have your Bibles, look at verse 37. It tells us that after this encounter with this demon-possessed man is over, we're told that Jesus climbs back into the boat with his disciples, and together they return to the other side of the lake. Are you with me? So Jesus says, let's get into the boat. They climb into the boat. They go across the Sea of Galilee. They encounter this demon-possessed man. After the end of the story, which we'll get to, after this all over, Jesus climbs back in the boat, and they return back to the place where they originated. So what might this suggest? I don't know if you would agree with me on this or not, but I think Jesus' boat activity suggests, or it seems to suggest, that one reason Jesus took a boat ride across the Sea of Galilee was to have an encounter with this demon-possessed man. This encounter is no accident. I propose that Jesus... Jesus' agenda was to heal this man from his demonic captivity, which showcases for me the truth that not only does Jesus step into my mess, but it also, point number two, reinforces the truth that Jesus engages us within our mess. Jesus engages us within our mess. Look again at verse 28. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of Jesus. Then the man screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. In a Roman context, a military context. Does everybody know how many soldiers comprised a legion? 6,000. Friends, that's a lot of soldiers. So was this man possessed by 6,000 demons? I, I don't know. But it might help explain why this man has superhuman strength, right? His ability to break chains that people tried to shackle him with. Y'all remember why Jesus came to earth, what the Bible tells us? In John 3.17, everybody knows John 3.16, but in John 3.17, we're told that God the Father sent his son into the world to save the world, not to condemn the world. He came to save you and me, not to condemn you and me. Which is why Jesus willfully and intentionally steps into and engages us within our mess. Brothers and sisters, Jesus loves you. Jesus is not put off by the color in your life. Are you with me? Such as this man here in this Bible story. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Verse 30. 
Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. Let's stop there. Are you all familiar with the bottomless pit which the demons are referencing here? Friends, the Bible teaches us, as we have talked about on occasion, that there is a heaven and there is a hell. Heaven is a place where God's spirit lives or dwells. Heaven or hell is the place where God's spirit is absent. The Bible writer tells us in the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verses 1 to 3, turn there if you want to look at it, that there is a day in the future when the devil and his demons will be thrown into the abyss. And the Bible writer in the book of Revelation chapter 20, verses 1 to 3, uses the word bottomless pit. That they will be thrown into the bottomless pit. The very same title that is used here in this Bible story in Luke chapter 8. The bottomless pit is a place of suffering. The bottomless pit is a place of everlasting fire. It is a place that is reserved for those who reject Jesus. Friends, it is a place that you or I do not want to spend all of our eternity in. Which explains why I think here in verse 31 that this legion of demons beg Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. Because even they know at this point in time that that is a nasty place to be. Friends, I implore you, don't reject Jesus because you do not want to spend all of your eternity in the bottomless pit. Let's keep reading. Verse 32. There happened to be a large crowd of herds feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons. He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane. Here's an interesting response. And they were all, what's it say? They were all afraid. Interesting. They were all afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone for a great wave of fear swept over them. Would you write this down, uh, point number three, in your app notes? Jesus heals us from our mess. Jesus heals us from our mess. Now write this down, letter A. Isolation is the devil's way. Isolation is the devil's way. Letter B. 
Secrecy is the devil's weapon. Secrecy is the devil's weapon. When people sin, when you or I sin, the last thing we want to do is tell people about it, right? We want to hide it. We want to pretend like it doesn't exist, which is why when you step into dark places as an ambassador of Jesus, it throws things out of kilter, but it usually leads people to healing. But secrecy is the devil's weapon. And then letter C, as we see here, fear is the devil's reward. Fear is the devil's reward. Isolation is the devil's way. Secrecy is the devil's weapon. And fear is the devil's reward. One would think that the town people would be thrilled with the fact that their cemetery terror is now clothed and sane. One would think that they would beg Jesus to stick around for a day or two, right? To heal the rest of their town folk, but that's not the case, is it? Instead, we're told that the people are feeling what? Fear. The people are afraid, and so they ask Jesus to leave. And friends, what we see here is that this is really, their response is one that's caused by the devil's influence because fear is the devil's reward. You know, brothers and sisters, the devil wants you and I to believe that there is no comeback in our future. And I'm reminding you that that's a lie. The devil wants you and I to believe that your mess or my mess is unsalvageable, right? And the Bible teaches us here, though, that that's a false narrative, because we read that Jesus, how Jesus not only steps into our mess and engages us within our mess, but he also heals us from our mess. Jesus heals me. He heals you from your mess. Somebody say amen. Anybody here or maybe watching online need a touch of God's mess power? If so, I want you to just pray a prayer with me, okay? So again, put your hands out in front of you. Position, palm, receptivity. Close your eyes if it helps to block out the distractions. You don't need to pray with your eyes closed, but it might help. Now just pray this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I need your healing touch on my life. Jesus, I want your healing touch on my life. I invite you into my mess. Say, Jesus, I ask you to heal me from my mess. Good, good. How does our story end? Let's, let's finish up here. Look at verse 37. And all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone for a great wave of fear swept over them. So... Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him. But Jesus, interestingly enough, sent him home saying, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. Now write this down, point number four in your notes. Jesus commissions us to build on our mess. 
Jesus commissions us to build on our mess. You know, one of the great things about this story that it showcases the truth, how forgiveness is recognizable. You know, I don't know if you've heard, heard this said before, but that one of the best arguments for Christian, Christianity are Christians. But one of the worst or one of the best arguments against Christianity are Christians. Are you with me? So a good witness has impact, but a bad witness also has impact, right? Forgiveness is recognizable. An authentically changed life has impact, but a fake hypocritical life, it has impact too. Would you agree with that? I love how this, in this story, Jesus commissions this man to be a missionary, Pretty simple. He says, just simply go and tell your family and friends all the wonderful things that, that God has done for you, right, Jesus says? You know, you've, you've heard me say many times, many, many times, maybe more times than you can count, that it's my conviction that people can relate easier to my f- mistakes and failures than they can to my successes. Which is why we always say God never wastes What? An experience. God never wastes an experience. So brothers and sisters, as you think about sharing your faith, I just simply encourage you to use the color of your life story to tell people how God has changed you, right? Now that Jesus is in my life, I used to be that person, but now that Jesus is in my life, I'm now this person, right? I used to be blind, but now I can see. I used to live my life weighed down with guilt and regret, but now I live my life with hope and expectation. Jesus is changing me. Jesus is helping me build on my my mess to learn from it. Friends, your and my life legacy doesn't have to be defined by our mistakes. And we all have mistakes. Because with Jesus in our life, what we're seeing here, again, reinforced is the truth that with Jesus in my life, it's never too late to start over. It's never too late to to begin anew. Today is a new day. Why? Because Jesus is in the legacy mess restoration business. Right? We don't have to be enslaved to our shackles. Jesus loves you. He loves me, and he invites us to build our life upon our mess. So one final prayer. Hands open. Deep breath. Take a deep breath in. This is We're going to call this our spiritual reset prayer. This is our spiritual reset prayer for today. As you exhale, just pray this in your heart. Say, Jesus, thank you for pursuing me. Thank you for offering me a a new beginning, a fresh start. So once once again, God, today in this moment, in this very space, I say, I welcome you into my life. Just say that to the Lord. Just, Jesus, I welcome you into my life. 
please forgive me? Please engage me? Please heal me? And please help me to build a better future. God, today, this is my restoration prayer. And I'm asking for it to be true in the name of Jesus, your son. And everybody said, amen. Brothers and sisters of Palm Harvest, I bless you today. In the name of God, the Father, Jesus, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So go forth, share your story, build upon the mess that you have experienced, and let people, let people know how much Jesus is changing and doing in your life. Amen and amen and amen.